Habakkuk 1.5, listen to this first verse. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. This is a verse that was given to us in June of 2012 as we were getting ready to transition. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not even believe, though it were told you. How many of you wish you could wake up and get an email or text message from God that laid out the agenda for the day? Now, how many of you who are saying that'd be awesome would love it if the text message says, get pulled over because you run a red light, uh, get the medical bill that's X amount of dollars. See, not everyone is super into that. We might say, uh, I think that email was for somebody else or delete rapidly or whatnot. So as much as we want to know what God has for us, we kind of wouldn't believe it. If God would say, hey, listen, I'm gonna allow you and your wife to go through this thing called unexplained infertility. What does that mean? It means you can't explain it. It means doctors can't explain it. It means basically like there's nothing wrong with you physically, but for whatever reason, that's just not happening. So if God was to say, I'm gonna have you do that, so then you can adopt this little girl from Ethiopia to then stir your hearts for, for kids and orphans to then move to Mexico and start this orphanage to then this, if he would have laid all that out, I literally don't think I would believe him. Because everything was going great. We were pastoring, the church was growing like crazy. We had bought a house. We, had two cars, she, we were just, we, things were going great. So if all of a sudden the Lord tells us what he's gonna do, I'm not sure I would believe it, but here the Lord is speaking through the prophet, um, be utterly astounded, because I'm gonna do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. And so when he called us out down to Mexico, we bought that property and we started building and the orphanage opened and things were going and things were just incredible. For the first six years, we probably cared for over 60 kids at a variety of time. God was blessing it financially. Mission teams were coming down. We had started the English classes. We had starting the, started that program to, to teach women how to, uh, how to sew and how to, to teaching them a trade. And we were all of these things and... Of course, then the pandemic happens and everything came to a stop. And again, going back to this verse, I will work, work in your days which you not believe though it told you. If God was like, hey, you're gonna go down, you're gonna do these things up until 2022, 2020 and then this little thing called COVID and this pandemic's gonna come, it's gonna radically change everything. It's gonna change the world. How many of us would have believed that? No way, really? That's like end times talk type stuff. But it happened. And what happens when stuff like that happens? What happens when change happens? How many of you just love change? Any of you wake up and like, oh man, I hope my whole routine just changes? My wife and I are so different. She is like schedule, systems, notes, calendars, this is, not a, this is not on our agenda. This is not a part of this. This, 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 and this. 
I'm like, I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know what time it is. Um, all the, I'm just go, go, go. So we're very, very great for each other. But when change happens, listen, people either love it or they hate it. People either embrace it or they fight against it. So when, we're, when, when all of a sudden everything is radically changed and, and everything is canceled, I mean, you guys, all, we all went through this. Churches went through this. God, what is gonna happen? And then, you know, people would say, oh, it's only, it's only gonna be three weeks, it's only about three months, and oh, by Easter it's gonna be gone, and then we're all gonna rejoice in the resurrection of this, and then rejoice that COVID's gone, and, and then it just went on and on and on and on. And Mexico, I think, just dragged on longer. Because of it being a third world country, we were very, very far behind. In fact, we just recently went to finally no masks. Um, our kids in Mexico lost basically two and a half years uh, because internet is pretty much not around in a lot of places. They did, te- they did um, education through television. I never thought I would have to get a TV subscription for my kids to go to school. So we had to buy a TV prescri- subscription. It would be like the United States on making a deal with ABC, NBC, uh, and CBS, and they broadcast school classes 24-7. And so you'd wake up, you'd get your notebooks, you'd sit in front of the TV, and that's what kids did. The kids were so far behind, and then when they went back to school, it was only two days a week for half day, uh, and then, it, then they would close down because another huge outbreak would happen and then it would open and it would close. It was just, it was just crazy. So talk about change. Talk about never knowing what's going to take place. And then we had this 40 acres of this massive campus of what are we going to do with this thing? And I want you to turn with me to um, Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, I love how In the times when you need it, God speaks. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I think verse 18 is very important to go with verse 19. A lot of times we just talk about verse 19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Some people love new things. Some people don't like new things. Some people love new things too much. We're always looking for the newest thing, right? This, the the newest iPhone. It's like, come on, I mean, does anything ever change with the iPhones or do they just change the number and then they just make a gazillion dollars off of it? But we want change. A lot of times we want what's new, what's the latest, what's the greatest. But it's interesting before in verse 18, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. What is this saying to us? Here's a couple thoughts. I don't believe it's saying everything that has taken place in your past, forget about it. It's done with, it's over with, move on. Because, check this out. Jump back up to verse 16 and 17 of chapter 43. 
Just a few verses before, look what it says. Thus says the Lord, verse 16, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and water. They lie down, they cannot rise. What do you think he's talking about here? Exodus, right? Crossing the Red Sea. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. So in verse 16 and 17, he's reminding them of this incredible thing that he has done. And then in verse 18, he's saying, remember not the things of the past. And then in verse 19, he says, well, I'm doing a new thing. Some would say, well, that's kind of confusing. I don't think it's confusing at all. I think it tells us a couple things. One, what happens when the, when the Israelites crossed the, um, the Jordan River, when they, were, when they were entering the promised land? They were to set up memorial stones. And why was that? To remember what God did. There is nothing wrong with remembering, in fact, we should remember the faithfulness of God. We should look back and say, can you believe that when we were this and when we were first married and we didn't have this and this and God provided so faithfully, we should do that. What we shouldn't do is what the nation of Israel did as they were journeying saying, at one point, do you remember, they wanted to go back to Egypt? Oh, if we were only back in Egypt when we had food and we had this and we had this. Oh, the good old days. Oh, the glory days. I believe that is what this is talking about here in verse 18. The Lord saying, no. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Why? Because I'm doing a new thing. I'm leading you to the promised land. Uh, a third example would be in regards to our sin. How many of us feel weighed down still by certain sins of the past? You know, the devil wants us to remember the things from our past. So he can remind us of when we were this and when we were that and when we failed and when we did this and when we stumbled and when we sinned and did this. And what does the cross say? Forget about that. For I have cleansed you, I have made you whole. So there are so many things that we can glean from these verses and this, this, this contrast between remembering the things but not hanging out in the past. So for us, I'll give you another example. When, when, the, when we were looking at what God wanted to do next and, you know, God, are you going to provide? Are you going to keep doing this? The doubt flooded my mind and thinking this and this. And the Lord simply reminded me of his faithfulness. Even just looking at those pictures and seeing it going from an apple orchard to that huge thing. And the Lord, it's like, Sometimes we think, well, Lord, you were able to do that uh, pre-COVID, but you can't do big things post-COVID. And that is an absolute lie from the enemy. The other thing I love, what it says here, what we see in verse 18, I'm a big like underliner and circler of certain words, certain parts. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. You guys, I want you to underline that or highlight that. Who's doing the new thing? God. 
I am doing a new thing. How easily it is to forget sometimes who it is that is providing, who it is that is uh, protecting, who it is that is doing this new thing, this new season. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It doesn't say, hey, behold, new things are coming. It doesn't say, hey, uh, I want you to do new things. No. It says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you, do you not sense? Do you not perceive that I'm, I'm doing this new thing? And like I said, new things can be daunting and nerve-wracking. But we have and we can look back and we can see that the faithfulness of God, we can see his commitment to us, we can see that he never leaves us and forsakes us, all of these things. So I would say probably last year around this time, I kind of reached a breaking point. Because nothing, we were still, we were helping some of these families, we were doing some things. Um, two of the girls that were in the orphanage that weren't able to, they're kind of more so like true orphans, uh, they moved in with us. And so went from a family of three to a family of five, went from living with two girls to living with four girls, it got a little bit intense at times. Um, we've got three huskies, beautiful huskies, they're all girls as well, so. There were times, thank God, for 40 acres, built a little recording studio, just lots of places to kind of go. And Jackie could tell, she was like, do you need to get away for a little bit? I was like, the noise level alone is just, wow. One of the girls that moved in with us um, that last year, last uh, June, she was the first one to graduate high school in the history of her family. She is now studying at the Bible College in Baja, California. The other girl, Natalie, continues to live with us. So it wasn't like this time during the pandemic was a complete loss, complete disaster. But, but every time I would walk on this massive campus and look at these buildings, it was like, what, Lord, truly, do you have to have something else? And so I was walking and I was just crying out to the Lord. I was praying specifically, Lord, what might that look like? What is it that you have? Um, well, my phone rang and it was my aunt and uh, her husband pastors the church and um, I've always been very, very close with my aunt. In fact, she kinda was the one that had the idea to um, start the orphanage. She, we were down there on a trip one time and she said, wouldn't it be so amazing? if um, God wanted an orphanage here one day. The Lord really used her to confirm things to us. And that's kind of how our relationship has been. My wife always was like, who are you talking to on the phone? If she sees me talking to my aunt or we're in my office and she's like, uh-oh, <laughs> what are you two planning? What is happening? Well, my phone rang, I was on a walk, I picked it up, it was my aunt. My wife describes it as Kim strikes again. She's like, Kim says, hey, I had a question for you. Have you been thinking about the school at all? We had wanted, before the pandemic, we had wanted to start a school on our campus for our kids. A lot of our kids were very far behind in education. Um, 
the school, the public school had even one point said, hey, you're, you're bringing too many kids into our school. This is overwhelming to us and you guys can't bring any more. So now we've faced, great, well, we can't bring kids in the orphanage if we can't, because we can't put them in the school. So we thought, Lord, would you want us to start a school for our kiddos? The Lord seemed to be confirming that. So we got registered with a, a program to, to go through. We started taking classes and then everything got put on hold. Well, she calls and says, hey, have you started thinking about this? Have you been thinking of the school anymore? And I said, honestly, I have not because we don't have a desire to just start the school from ground up. We did that with an orphanage and it was crazy, but I would love to be a part of it. I would love to be a part of a, a group of people that would like to see something happen. So we shared it with our church. We shared it with the elders. We talked about the church said the same thing. Hey, we don't want to start the school, but we would love to partner and see this come together. So it was kind of our ministry, the church, and then a few individuals in the community came together to begin just praying about what this might look like. Um, so we shared it with our um, we shared it with our church, and a, a number of people were really excited. So we were we were anticipating maybe twelve to fifteen kids. We were looking at how, how many people were in our church, those that might be interested, and so we, we invited them to come to uh, an open house. I think the next picture hopefully should be a picture of our open house. If not, we will just kind of cruise through some of these pictures. So there's a picture of the open house. Over 65 people came, the majority of them from town. If we could go back to that other one. I don't even know how they found out. We did not put this on social media. We did not send out a flyer. We did nothing. I guess maybe great news is a small town. Word travels fast. Nobody knows what else to do. And so they all just come out. So this is what it looked like. All of a sudden, we have all of these people that are there and we're thinking, well, what do we do now? Clearly, there are more people that are interested in this school idea than we anticipated. So this is a picture of uh, our dining hall. And, um, and then on both sides of the, the building, there's a girl's wing where the girls would stay and the boy's wing. And um, so we, we gave them a tour of the, the facility and we shared our heart for the school. And I got, I'll tell you, the gospel was preached at that meeting. We didn't want anybody to think, oh, this is a Christian, or this is a religious school. No, this, this is a Christian school where kids are going to learn about God, about Jesus, and obviously, you know, education, get an education. Um, and I felt like as, my, as our, my uncle, our pastor, he is just going for it. He is just sharing all these things. And I thought, oh, great. Sure, surely this is going to crunch the numbers uh, help the numbers go down to probably what we were around. Between that and then talking about the tuition and what it would cost, surely it will go back to a number that we could kind of manage for the first year. Well, uh, school opened on September 5th and we have 54 kids. Yeah, amen. 54 kids, kindergarten through ninth grade. We have eight teachers from the public school system that pulled their kids out of the school to put them in our school. The majority of these kids are not from our church. 
And even after sharing what we're about and all of these things, 54 kids came. We had to say no to another 20 because of registration, clothes. We had to order books. It was like, we've got to get teachers. Uh, <laughs> when kids started signing up, it was like, wow, this got real. And we entered a time and maybe a little bit of panic, like how is this going to work and all of this stuff, but God just showing his faithfulness. We have a wonderful staff of um, 14 or 15 able to provide jobs for the community. The kids come out. Uh, we can let we can do the next pictures and just kind of let them go through. These are just to give you guys an idea of just what the Lord is doing. My wife is, that's her in the, in the black sports coat. That, she is our kindergarten teacher. So she has 10 kids in kindergarten. Those are first through third graders. That's Marlene. She's our first through third grade teacher. Uh, Cruz Adrian, the guy in the blue shirt, is our fourth and fifth grade teacher. The gentleman on, the, on my right is our pastor. That's Esmeralda, who teaches sixth grade. Um, our seventh through ninth grade, we have Letty and Ramiro, who do our junior high kids. And then these are just pictures like, listen, we're not, I've never seen kids this happy to go to school. I'm no, no joke. Every morning they come from 8 to 8.15, it's Bible, it's chapel, where they get the word. They're learning about the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Um, they get an hour Bible class throughout the day. We have an English immersion program. These kids are speaking English. And so I look at these pictures and it's a little overwhelming of just thinking of the new thing that God is doing. Thinking of how we were in that phase of God, are you real? Are you still there? Are you still working? And the whole time that's taking place, the whole two and a half years while the pandemic is taking place, God was working and moving. I am doing a new thing. Not, hey, Jason, I got a new idea. I want to link up with you, run it by you. I'm going to do this whether you're on board or not. It's basically what the Lord is saying. Um, can you go back a couple of those pictures, two pictures back? The one after the logo. As I was putting these pictures together, I saw this picture. This picture was taken in front of our building with kiddos on a first day of school. This picture is, in yeah, the next one, go ahead. This next picture, what is it? It's kids in front of our building on the first day of school. Just looks completely different. Instead of it being full of kids that were in the orphanage, it's full of kids from the community. People are driving 30 minutes away to go to our school. It's almost a little overwhelming. <laughs> I have no degree. I had zero. I, have no, I did not go to college. I thought I was going to be a rock star. So traveled the world, did music. That's why then I became a pastor. I have no education of being like, directing a nonprofit or orphanage skills or building skills, nothing. And I don't have any type of education or anything to start a school. So thank God that he says, I'm doing the new thing. <laughs> because he can use people like us. He can use people like Mike. He can use people like you. And he wants to do that. He wants to do that. And why? 
Why does God want to? Turn with me to Deuteronomy as we close up here. Man, these verses, they're gonna rock your world. You guys ready for this? You ready to be rocked this morning? Deuteronomy chapter six, verses 10 and 12. I love when you just stumble on verses. Don't you love that? I love when the Lord speaks something or does something and all of a sudden you just, chapter six is honestly one of my favorite passages. It's always been, but it's been because of the first section of it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, right? And then it goes into verses six through nine about teach these words to your kids. So that's what I've always focused on. And thankfully, by God, he removes lenses, he, remove, he, he gives you a more peripheral vision. And so let's pick up in verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build. Now listen, I want, as I read these, I want you to see if there's a reoccurring phrase, okay? Listen. When he brings you into uh, with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. You guys see where he's going with this? You did nothing. (laughs) And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Why does it say a number of times you did not do anything so we wouldn't forget who it was that brought them out? I honestly believe, maybe some, I honestly believe when things like pandemics happen, It happens so God can use that to remind us, maybe as a reset of who we are and who he is. He did that for us. I think we got so busy and so, it was growing so crazy and not that we had taken our eyes off the Lord or anything, but I know that there were some aspects that we, some priorities that we had gotten out of order. And the Lord uses these things to say, you know what? I'm going to bring you here. I'm going to give you something that you did not build, you did not fill, you did not dig, you did not plant, and I'm doing it so you don't forget that I was the one that brought you here in the first place. So why? Why then? If God is leading us in a place that we did not do anything to remind us of who he is, We're going to jump over one more chapter to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 8. Flip a couple pages. Deuteronomy 6, sorry, 7, 6 and 8. This is awesome. This is the second one that's going to blow your mind. Chapter 7, verses 6 and 8. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Man, if we just read verse six over and over and over, isn't that awesome? 
The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Oh, wow, Lord, you looked out and you saw everybody on earth and you were like, man, I love you guys so much. You're so awesome. You go to church, you tithe, you do this, you look great, whatever it is, you're obedient, you follow the commandments. Because of that, I am choosing you to be this treasured possession. That is not why. And that is why it is so important to continue reading. It's why verse-by-verse studies are so important. Check out verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on and chose you. Then he reminds you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. So he begins to say, listen, I didn't do this because you were this great and mighty and powerful nation. In fact, you were the fewest. Well, okay, then why would it? Why would you do this? Well, look at verse eight, and this is the mm of it. But it is because the Lord loves you. Wow. It is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your father's that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You guys, if you ever think, like me, that it's because you deserve something. You know, for us, it would be easy when this thing was growing and and I was traveling and having these meetings and, and, and non-believers saying, wow, you guys are so, such a good people. I can't believe you guys would do this. And oh, this, and there's a lot of praise and praise and praise. I, I, I will not, I won't lie to you. That can mess with your mind. Not thinking that you're something individually, but yeah, yeah, yeah we have done something. Or when people say, hey, Jason Sanchez here, um, they started an orphanage and not, I I understand what they mean by that, but I want to be so careful. We did not. We, We simply followed the Lord. And I think it's verses like this to remind us it's for no other reason other than his love. We got one more verse to read. I read this just this morning in my devotions. You guys, this is gonna rock you even more. Jeremiah. I love when there's verses that rock you and they're in the Old Testament. Come on, shout out to the Old Testament. It's representing this morning. Jeremiah chapter 31. I read this this morning and I was like, wow. Jeremiah 31. And we'll close with this. Verse one through three. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore I continued my faithfulness to you. Mm. There is a process here. First off, the fact that God loves us. 
right? That's what Deuteronomy is saying. It's not because of any of these things. I'm doing this because I love you. Jason and Jackie, I'm allowing you to be a part of this school that is impacting a town and surrounding towns for my name, not because you did an orphanage and I wanna do this. It's because I love you guys and I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. But check this out. It says, I have loved you with what? An everlasting love. Underline that. It's not just that God loves us, but he loves us with an everlasting love. And then it gets better. Therefore, what does that mean? So then, because of my love for you, because of my everlasting love for you, I'm just gonna throw out that I'm gonna continue my faithfulness to you. You catch what he's saying there. I have loved you with not just a love, but an everlasting love. And because of that, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Wait, God, you mean that you're just faithful because you love us? Yeah, and I, only, I not only just love you, but I love you everlasting. This is why we place our faith and trust in Jesus. I don't know where um, everybody's at this morning. My prayer is that you all have been in a place where his love has been revealed to you and that you recognize that you are nothing and he is everything and that he wants to simply love us with this everlasting love and then continue his faithfulness. I always say that um, kind of our journey began with an adoption, adopting our girl. The very last picture I wanna share, this is a more updated picture of my lovely family. That's my wife, Jackie. We've been married for um, 17, going on 18 years. That's our daughter, Ayantu. This is Natalia. We are in the process of adopting Natalia. Um, she's been with us for seven years. Her dad abandoned her when she was uh, one, month, one year old. She's never met her biological father. Her, brought, her mom brought her to our care when she was six years old. She's still in town and in somewhat involved in her life, but we'll never be able to care for her. So the Lord revealed to us through the pandemic and through her moving in that we wanted to adopt her. And I went through this phase. Jackie was just like all in. She's got pretty amazing faith. Me, I was crunching numbers. I was like, this makes no sense. We adopted our daughter when we were working three jobs and we had more money and this and this and this. Now we live in third world country. We're missionaries. We do not make a lot of money. There's nothing about this that makes sense in our minds. But in God's, I'm going to continue my faithfulness. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes the Lord, I don't know if it's like an audible thing, but sometimes he just, it graciously and gently says, you think I provided for one adoption that I'm not going to provide for another. That's literally what he says to me. Jason, you think I provided for the orphanage for 10 years? I'm not going to provide for the school for 10 years. So there are so many um, initial hoops we've got to go through because of red tape and politics. It's absolutely crazy. I would implore your guys' prayers on 
November 25th and November 28th. Uh, those are two really important court dates that we have. So on Black Friday, November 25th and November 28th. Lord willing, that's when the parental rights will be removed by the judge. And then our lawyer and our adoption agency here in the States, we can move into the second half with them. She's really nervous. Sorry. Um, she was crying in bed one night, Natalia. And she said, Dad, she calls us Dad and Mom. She said, I'm really nervous about this appointment because we can't go in with her. It's just her, her brother who she doesn't know, her mom had another kid with the same dad, but because of all this stuff, they have to go in with this judge. As a father figure, imagine sending, you know, your kid in. And, but what, <clears throat> what we were able to share and have been praying is just saying, Natalie, we can't go in, but the Lord can. So the 25th and the 28th, we're just praying for victories on those days. So as we close, um, you can come up, Mike, and sing another. You know, I was thinking, um, could, you, could we sing that one little thing before we sing that other song? Scarlet Sins had, I wrote this down as we were singing. I've not heard this song. <clears throat> Scarlet Sins had a crimson cross. You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross. An empty slate at the empty grave. Thank God that stone was rolled away. Brothers and sisters, that's what it's about. That our sinful, carnal, scarlet, wretched bodies and sinful nature has been washed clean by the cross. And it's been because of his love and because of his faithfulness. So Lord, I just, I, I pray, I just, I feel Lord, there might be some in here that need reminding that it is your love. You love them. You love me. You love Mike. You love every single person in this room not only do you love us, but it's with an everlasting love. Your faithfulness, your goodness. Lord, you loved us so much that our scarlet sins were nailed to the rugged cross through your sacrifice. It's literally nothing. We, we physically could not do anything but you did because you love us. I thank you so much for this church, Lord. I thank you for the relationships we've had for a number of years with, with people here. I look forward to new relationships. I pray for this fellowship, Lord, as they seek to be a light in their community. Would you use them, God? 
and individuals and their families and their workplaces, would you use them? And in those times when we are feeling weighed down, we are doubting, we feel like you've taken a break, you're not speaking, remind us of your love. Remind us of your faithfulness. We truly are satisfied in you, Lord. So we ask that in this closing time, Holy Spirit would continue to work and seal the things upon our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.